If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Luke chapter 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we're the, we're the verses we're going to look at are in the inside cover of your bulletin, on the back inside cover. We're going to be looking at Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. As we look at God's Word this morning. So Luke 2, 1 to 20. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. This is God's word. Christmas gives us a mission. Christmas gives us a purpose that speaks into everything else in our lives. This is an overarching purpose. Christmas makes us live on mission, right? Because God wants our lives to matter. You ever thought about that? That God wants your life to matter? And God doesn't just want your life to matter, but God wants you to know that your life matters. God wants you to know that your presence on earth makes a difference. And Christmas wakes us up to this fact. This fact that God has a purpose to make your life matter. And here's what Christmas teaches us about living on mission. This is it. What you have, you have to share. This is the mission that comes to us from Christmas. What you have, you have to share. It's 
So we're going to walk through this story and talk about this, because this is really our mission. Like, what you have, what God has given you, you have to share. So, yeah, there's kind of a double way to think about this. You have to share. Like, you have to share this, right? You have to do this. Um, But it's also that you have this so that you will share it. Okay, this is what we're going to see today as we look at this part of the Christmas story. We're going to look at this in three points. The first point is that our frustrations say you don't have anything. Okay, what you have, you have to share. And yet, for so many of us, and even many of you right now, you think, yeah, I don't have anything to share. And the thing, one of the things that makes us feel that way more than anything else is the frustrations of life. Our frustrations, the problems that we have in life, the things that make us angry, frustrated, bitter, um, <clears throat> these are the things that cause us to feel like we don't have anything. Right? If you ask people how they're doing, sometimes, um, I mean, there's a time to be honest, but some people are just always negative. You know, that whatever they, no matter where they are, what they're doing, when they look at their life, all they see is the negative. And if you ask them to share what they have, they'd say, I don't have anything. <clears throat> Well, our frustrations, they make us feel empty. And we see this in our text. Okay, Mary and Joseph have to suffer an awful journey. Right? This is an awful journey during Mary's ninth month of pregnancy because Caesar wants to satisfy his ego and he wants to fleece the people. Right? I think we can identify with this, can't we? 1,500 miles away from Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were, Caesar Augustus, who began to reign in 27 BC and reigned throughout um, up to the, uh, the infancy of Jesus and through, <clears throat> Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor of Rome at the time, he lifts his finger in Rome and says, I want a census. And 1,500 miles away, a young couple has to undertake an incredibly dangerous journey that could kill both mother and child. Caesar's move is one of power and authority over the empire, probably to generate tax revenue. The census is a reminder to Mary and Joseph and to all of the Jews of the time of the unwelcome intrusion of the foreign power over Israel as a conquered people. In some ways, it was a reminder that there was someone else far away that was in control. I think in April, we can be thankful that all we have to do is fill out our taxes. We don't have to travel to our hometown, um, go back to the city of our birth. This trip was 90 miles, roughly, between Nazareth and Bethlehem. 90 miles, and remember, there were no paved roads. So this would be like you being forced to go from here to Disneyland on hiking trails. Okay, just to give you some perspective. Google Maps, if you do that from here to Disneyland, it says it'll take 36 hours on foot. And so ask yourself, if you were nine months pregnant, even if you were on the back of a donkey, how many hours a day could you travel? Right, well, divide that by into 36, and you'll know. Scholars say it probably took seven to 10 days for them to make this one-way trip. But in all of this, in all of this, they travel to a town that just happens to be the one 
that's mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures about the coming of the Messiah. And so we see that even in the midst of all of the frustrations that this would cause, God is working all things together for good so that his promises would come true. Okay, and so we learn this. Frustrations abound on the path of God's will. Okay, if you're suffering today, if you're frustrated with the brokenness of life, at home, in relationships, at work, in school, if you're frustrated, you may not be doing anything wrong. And what Mary and Joseph had to go through, it reminds us that not all suffering is because we're, we've done something wrong. Not all suffering means you're doing it wrong. Frustrations abound on the path of God's will for our life. And so receive that this morning. Receive that this morning. And their struggles don't end with just the trip, right? Because when they get there, there's no room for them in the end. The end of verse 7. There was no place for them in the end. They were shut out, probably because of the overcrowding due to the census. So scholars, what scholars think, this would be like going to December nights at Balboa Park, right? <laughs> Many of you did that. We did that last night. And not being able to get into the bathroom because of the crowds, so you end up in the porta potty. Mary and Joseph had to put their baby in an animal's feeding trough. Right? This is a place where animals would eat, would feed. Um, this was not a pretty picture. This was not a pretty scene. This was not anything that anybody would have wanted. And I think all of this would have stretched Mary and Joseph, don't you? I mean, if you were them, wouldn't you start to wonder? Would you start to wonder a little bit if maybe all of this wasn't true? Right? You get this announcement from an angel, there's a pregnancy, you're dealing with the pregnancy, and the baby's coming, and then this census happens, and you've got to make this trek, and then you get there, and there's no room. Talk about a closed door. Boy, maybe God is closing the door on our lives here. Do you feel that way? I bet Mary and Joseph were tempted to feel that way. Did this baby really come from the Holy Spirit? Because if this is God's Savior, right, if this is the Savior of the world, what are we doing here? Why are we in a manger? Or why are we in a stable that has a manger? Why, why am I putting my baby in a manger? This is God with us. In a manger? Do you ever wonder about the circumstances of your life? If I'm really a child of God, if God really loves me, then wouldn't my life work out differently? Why all the suffering? Why don't things work out for me? Friends, you need to be reminded that frustrations abound on the path of God's will. And I think from our perspective in the story, we get to see what God is up to. Because we know sort of the end from the beginning, we look at this and think, oh, how cute, and this is awesome, and ooh, I can't wait because it's going to get good. We see the oppression of Roman politics. We see them being outcast from the inn and stuck in a barn with an animal feeding box for an ICU. 
And yet, from our perspective, Christmas actually makes us conclude something different, doesn't it? Because we know the end of the story. Christmas makes us conclude that Jesus really does understand how we suffer, doesn't he? Jesus really does know what it's like to be you. Jesus really did enter, not just into our world, but into the brokenness of our world, didn't he? I mean, before Jesus ruled as Messiah and King, he came to understand. Jesus came in this way so that no one could say, God, you don't understand what it's like to be me. So frustrations tell us you don't have anything. Our second point is that Christmas gives you everything to share. Christmas gives you everything to share. Because in the midst of this, in the midst of what Mary and Joseph were going through, unbeknownst to Mary and Joseph, God is doing something amazing. Okay, God is on the move. He is joining heaven and earth to build a group of heralds who will share what is really going on. Okay, that's what God is doing. Angels, shepherds, these are those who experienced this, and they lived on mission. They shared this with others. That's what it means. Living on mission means sharing what you have with others. It means sharing the gospel. And both the angels and the shepherds in this passage give us a clear picture of what it looks like for us to live on mission as God's people. Right? The angels announce the birth of the king. Right? They proclaim this good news that a Savior is born. Now, the word angel means a sent one or a messenger. And the Bible talks about angels in a few places. There's a lot of mystery around angels, um, which kind of makes sense because I think anytime heaven opens up and something comes from there, we're going to not necessarily understand all that's going on. Um, but these angels were sent from heaven to share the gospel message of the birth of the new king. Right? So this was their mission. Right? They came to share the news. And the shepherds heard, and they went to check it out. Right? When they found out what the angels described, that's what they did. They went and checked it out. And so let's just look here in the text. The angels said to them in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For under you uh, this is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so the angels are saying, look, what you have been waiting for is finally come. There is a king who would be born um, in the city of David. David was the greatest king of Israel, right? He was a savior. This is one who would save his people from their sins, right? This is the, the Messiah. Christ means Messiah. And so this is God. All of God's promises in the Old Testament are coming true in this one baby. In this one child, all of God's promises are coming true. He will be Christ, who is the Lord. And the angel tells him what to look for. Here's the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. There won't be any confusion. And so they proclaim and announce this good news. And then, verse 13, when they're done with this, there, uh, suddenly there was, an angel, uh, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. The word host just means army. 
And so I don't know what image you have when you think of angels, but the Bible describes angels as warriors. They are members of God's heavenly army. And so host means army. And so there was with this one angel, this incredibly vast heavenly army. And what were they doing? Well, they were praising God. They were worshiping. So we see here that that the angels are both sharing and they're worshiping. They say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so this king, this king who's coming, Jesus, who was born on this Christmas, this first Christmas morning, Jesus comes so that God would receive glory as his promises come true and his plan for the world to renew the world begins to be set in motion. And what that means for us? Peace. Peace. This means that you get to receive God's shalom. Right? It's not just like a ceasefire in your life, but this is a deep and abiding peace. A peace with God that knows that you are accepted and affirmed. It knows that you stand in the presence of God's glory, blameless and with great joy. It's peace with others. There is now a life that has been born that will renew you so that you can be reconciled with the people in your life, in your marriages, with your parents, with your children, with your grandchildren, right? Issues at work, right? This this king who who was born on this day will bring peace and it will go deep into your heart and deep into every relationship that you have. And so peace on earth. And so the shepherds hear this, and frankly, they're, I think, a lot like, well, they're a lot like I'd be, right? Let's go check this out. Let's go see if this is so. Um, The shepherds said to one another in verse 15, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Then verse 16, they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And so it was true. The angel was right. This was a message. There was this baby. The Savior had come, and salvation was on its way. What to me is amazing is that at the end of this episode, at the manger, in verse 20, the shepherds do exactly the same thing that the angels did. Right? They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so they go spreading the news, right? sharing and worshiping. And so here we see both heaven and earth joined together. In these verses, we see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. The shepherds on earth, the angels in heaven are doing the same thing. They are worshiping God and they are sharing the message of Jesus. Friends, this is what it means to live on mission. This is what it means for our lives when we engage in this mission, we bring heaven and earth a little closer together. We bring more of earth up into heaven. We bring more of heaven down into earth. That's exhilarating. That in these two acts, worship and sharing, 
that our experience of the gospel moves us to share the gospel. What we've experienced of Jesus beautifully illustrates what we share with others. God has made this promise that he is going to renew all things. He is going to renew and to work in this world until everything is renewed. The end of God's work is going to be um, a new heavens and new earth, where heaven and earth fully come together, where there is no separation. You can read about it at the end of the Bible. Revelation 21 and 22 paints this glorious picture of what God is going to do and what God is doing. All of this started with Jesus. All of this began with the coming of Jesus And Jesus promised, he says, I came to bring an abundant life that brings strength, hope, and joy in the midst of life's frustrations. Your frustrations will tell you that you have nothing, that you don't have anything to share. But in Christmas, Christmas gives you everything. Christmas, God's best gift to you is his own son. Jesus came so that you would know God and have an abundant life that is so much greater than anything that you could achieve on your own, that's truly satisfying, um, that lasts. When we begin to experience Christmas, when we begin to follow Jesus, right? when we give up our ways of living and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, when we confess our sins to God, it begins with forgiveness, right? He forgives us. He declares us righteous. He accepts us into his family. And then he gives us the life of Jesus. And Jesus begins to live in us and we begin to be transformed. And as we worship and follow Jesus, we see him working in us. And we have to share, don't we? We have to share. And when we do this, when we begin to share, we live on mission. Along with the angels and the shepherds, this becomes our mission too. So the last point is that sharing brings Christmas to others. Sharing brings Christmas to others. This is what Christmas is designed to do. It's designed to give you a new reality that God is in our world, God is in our lives, that he cares so much about you and that no matter what else is going on in your life, you have God. You have God and he is worth it. I think it's interesting that it's the shepherds living on mission, searching it out and then sharing what they heard. This, I think, is what closed the loop for Mary and Joseph. Hey, what do I mean? Well, look at verse 17. It says, when they, the shepherds, saw it, when they saw the baby in the manger, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And so it's the shepherds living on missions, the shepherds coming and sharing. I think it was this, the shepherds were this amazing, gracious gift of God to Mary and Joseph. Right, they shared the good news, and all who heard it wondered, and Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. I think that Mary realized at that point, God is still with us. Not another angel 
appeared to Mary, right? An angel that would appear, speak to her, and then disappear again. But this time, it was shepherds. This time, it was human beings who weren't going anywhere. All of a sudden, Mary realizes that she's not alone. That God isn't just speaking to her. That she's not crazy. But these shepherds come and they say, God has revealed it to us, too. I think Mary here realized God is still with us. We're not in the wrong place. I wouldn't have done it this way, but if God is going to renew the world, I guess maybe he does need to start from the bottom and work his way up. The shepherds living on mission gives hope. And friends, when you live on mission, you give hope to others. I mean, this is what happens. When you share with others, you give them hope. And sharing can be with other Christians and with non-Christians. Right? It works both ways. Sometimes you learn how to share by sharing with other Christians what you're experiencing from Jesus, what God is doing in your life. You begin to share that with other people that are in the family where it feels safe. Well, people aren't going to laugh at you. And you practice. You practice in your life group. You practice in discipleship. You practice just sharing with your friends, hey, this is what God is doing in my life. Right? And you begin then to share with other people. When you do that, when you do that, and it can be as simple over the next, the rest of these three weeks, it can be as simple as explaining to other people what Christmas means to you. You can say, look, I'm not pushing this on you, but this is what Christmas means to me as we share the hope that in Jesus, God has come to the world, God has shown his incredible love, and he did it in a way that brings renewal. He did it in a way that changes me. Because if this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he humbles himself to be born in a manger, man, what, what should my life look like? What kind of humility needs to characterize my life? These are the, this is what people hope that Christians will be. It will look like this. Look like humble people who have come to serve, who are willing to wait, are willing to wait for God to open doors and to bring renewal. We have a great testimony this morning to illustrate this act of living on mission. Right? This is one of our values as a church. Um, we need all of us. This is part of what it means to be a Christian here at Harbor City Church. Um, we're gospel-centered, we grow in community, and we live on mission. Right? That means that we need to share what we have, because what you have, you have to share. And so we have a testimony I want to share with you, a video. Um, um, Jorge Marquez has been coming to our church um, since about March. Um, and God has transformed his life. Since he's returned to Christianity, he has been living on mission. He's going to talk to you a little bit about his story. He's the one who started the standabout events, right? These events for standabout. He's going to mention these, uh, these things in his testimony. But his life is a great example to encourage all of us to follow him as he lives on mission.
on mission, sharing, you don't have to share everything, sharing what you're experiencing, um, letting people see the joy that is in you. Um, let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful to you. We're so thankful that you have come and entered in to the frustration and the brokenness of our lives. Thank you that you understand what it's like to be us. We need you so much. We pray, Jesus, that during this season that you would help us to live on mission. Help us, help each one of us. Help us to be able to articulate what it is that you have done for us so that we can give you credit, so that we can share, so that each one of us would have a testimony of what you're doing in our lives. And I pray that as we are used by you, um, and as we are able to articulate and to share with others what we've experienced from you, Lord, would you open people's hearts um, and help them to know that what we've experienced, they can experience too. Help us this week, help us this week to live on mission, uh, to share. We pray this in your name, amen. <clears throat>